This morning, if you could turn your Bibles to Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. And as you know, we are in the series we're looking at as a church, we're looking at our core values. Um, And so just for you to know, we're going to start out with the question is, can I be a disciple and not belong to the local church? Can I be a disciple and not belong to the local church? And so it's kind of going to go off of where we were at last week. And if you remember, I'll just review just real briefly for you about what we talked about last week. It was a call to follow, a call to die to self, and a call to multiply. And so if you remember, Mike did a really good job of coming up here and helping me. Pastor Mike did. And and he took these balls and we kind of named each ball. We did family, we did uh, ministry, and we did future. And if you remember, I talked about so often we take these balls, which are gifts from God, and we hold on to them. And we act as if, you know, my family becomes more important to me, so I hold on to it tightly. Or ministry, a call to, to do something for God that He's given me a gift to do and I hold on to it tightly. Or my future. And we begin to hold on to these things so tightly. Remember I talked about last week that every good and perfect gift is from the Father. And so we know these gifts are from God and we're not denying that. But what we're saying is when we hold on to things so tightly... It doesn't allow God, the one who gave these gifts to us, to begin to take them and use them for His glory. And remember, I had Mike try to grab these balls from my hands and he couldn't do it. I know Mike is weak. Pastor Mike is weak. Just kidding. He's not here this morning. But he couldn't. And I'm not saying God can't grab things. And unfortunately what happens is so often because we're holding on to these things that God has given us so tightly that He has to come and He has to rip them from us. And then the pain ensues and it's a lot more hurtful than if we were just to give these gifts right back to the giver. And remember I talked about a call and how we had gotten a call to go to Hawaii and and other things And it's pretty cool in how I would drop everything to go to Hawaii, but when the King of Kings is calling my name, I'm not so for sure that I'm going to drop everything and follow. And then I talked about a call of dying to self. Remember, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And then the third that I talked about is multiply. Disciples make disciples. It's in our DNA. We don't have a choice. And so when I was talking about last week about what are our core values, I was really struck by the point that this is a core value of the church. This isn't just a core value of Cornerstone Church. This is a core value that all of us have to live by is that we are to make disciples. And if you are like me, when it comes to discipleship making... I don't do such a great job. And usually I say, if you're like me, I say that quite often, but I'm being really honest with you today, is that I struggle in this area. 
Have I made disciples? Yes. Have I had the honor of making them all over the world? Yes. But then I question myself, am I really doing it? And I want to encourage us this morning as a community that we are to be making disciples together. You see what has happened in American Christianity is so often we act like this, like Josh talked about this morning just briefly when he was looking at Philippians 4.13, is that we act like this is all about us. This is what I have to do. Instead of really, this is what God is doing. And God wants to use our lives to multiply. Not only does He want to use us as individuals, but He wants to use us as a body. And so I want to invite you this morning, if you're a guest this morning, I'm going to be encouraged on our church cornerstone. But if you're a guest this morning, you're going to be able to take some things and, and kind of look at them and see, am I doing these things? Is this something that I am measuring up to? So I'm going to have five points this morning. And it's going to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Into fellowship, being committed to the local church, breaking of bread together, live generously with one another, devoted to prayer, and a witnessing church. You see, I'm reading these articles on the church and the state of the church these days, and I, I said I would bring you some stats this week, and I left out a very important people group and it's the elders. And it says in this article that I'm reading that 23% of elders read the Bible on a daily basis. 23%. Where are you at today? And then baby boomers. They are reading their Bible every day 16%. And then you have Jenner Xers, which are, is me, is we're reading the Bible. 10% of us are reading the Bible daily. And then when we get those crazy millennials, 9% are reading the Bible daily. So what is happening is we are coming and we are becoming an illiterate culture to what the Bible says. And so when we look at, the, look at it this morning and when we begin to discuss what it all looks like for us as a community and what it is to be a disciple, we can go no further than Jesus Christ Himself. And one of our models here is being Jesus-centered but people-focused. And let's look what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when we talk about community this morning and we talk about being a disciple in community, 
I don't know about you, but oftentimes I get tired and I get weary of living this Christian life. Why do I do that? Because so often my personality is to take on rules and regulations. And then I become, then I begin to struggle, and then I begin to live life. And sometimes, if you don't know me very well, and we're going to talk about getting to know one another, is that you have the honor and privilege of listening to me speak every week, and you get to know me just a little bit, but you really don't get to know my heart. But oftentimes in my life, if I'm not measuring up to what I feel a true disciple is, I begin to do things. I begin to pray more. I begin to read my Bible more. And all these things are important. But even when I'm doing these things, and when I'm in my family, and when I'm in situations that are hard, all these things come out in my life. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, I am a man who is undone. And then I look at these scriptures and Jesus says, come to me, all you who are struggling, and I will give you rest. And to put this scripture into context is when Jesus said this, he wasn't just saying this to the the wayward sinner, he was actually saying it to the religious. Because at the time, to be a disciple was to do a lot of rules and regulations. So much so, it got so foolish that those who were following the Pharisees, the Pharisees would put heavy rules on them and they really couldn't live up to it. And so Jesus is saying, come to me, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So to be a true disciple is finding rest. To be a true disciple is going to Jesus and learning from Him. And that is who we are as a church. Is that we are coming to Jesus humbly and faithfully and saying, Lord, I don't have this figured out, but I know You do, and I want to learn from You. And so what I've asked from every ministry head in our church is to say, hey, I want you to be a learner. I want you to sit at the feet of Jesus and I want you to hear what He is saying because He is the best teacher. And so often we get it off. But but I think, eventually I hope that the superstar Christianity is dead and gone. And what do I mean by that is that you have these great speakers and leaders that do a good job and I love listening to them. But they're not really fulfilling the need of the church. You see, the need of the church is community. You see, the need of the church is discipleship in the midst of community. And so if you go with me to Acts 2, 41-47. And then I'm going to read from Acts 4, 32-35. And I'll be honest with you this morning, this sermon is going to be so simple. 
And it's not going to be hard to follow along and it's not going to be hard to put benchmarks for your life. And I could have named this title what it is to be a healthy church. And so let me read for you what it is to be a healthy church. So then those who had received his word were baptized that day. There were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all of those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all as everyone might have need, day by day continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you could go over to chapter 4, verse 32 with me real quick. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the cells and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. And so I ask the question this morning, what does the church look like today? Are we modeling the very things that we see in Acts? And are are we modeling the things that are told to us in Scripture? And if you're like so many of us, we're not. We're busy with many things. See, I'll go back to the ball process. As we're busy with all these things, that these things have become so important to us that we have time for nothing else. And really what happens is the church just becomes a check mark. But here's the deal. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a preacher, right? So I preach. Right? Is that this thing called church is usually the first thing to go in our modern culture. If I've got other things to do, if the week has been so busy, I get to Sunday morning and I... And and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but I get to Sunday morning and it becomes an option if I'm here or I'm not here. 
and to be a true disciple, I believe it is so much more than a checklist. You see, the first point that we're going to look at is the early disciples were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And we see that in Acts 2, verse 42. And they were committing, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. In verse 43, says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And what was the apostles' teachings that they were teaching that during this time? It was all about Jesus Christ. It was all about His death and resurrection. It was all about what He did. And what is really concerning today is that we go to church and we hear these feel-good messages. There's a thing that goes around called a life, church, a life coach. You, have you guys heard of that statement, a life coach? So now you've got a bunch of pastors that are life coaches. And I want you to know that I'm not a life coach. I wish I was. I really do. When I look at them and I'm thinking, man, those guys are good at the wisdom that they're giving to people. But then the Lord always says, preach my word. And you see, in the 1980s, people considered they belonged to a church if they came three times to a Sunday morning once a month. Now in our society, it's once or twice they come to church on a Sunday morning and they consider that their home church. It's a trend. But it's a trend that we can fight and it's a trend that we can change. And so, can you be a disciple and not be committed to the local church? You see, 114 times the word ecclesia was used. And out of 90 times of this 114 times, 90 times was always pointed to a local church. So that means that we do have a universal church, but we have a church right here at Cornerstone. And as you know, I begin to think about this, and those that have been here a long time, some of you have been highly committed to this church. And I want to say thank you for that. You're not going nowhere. Even if the preacher is bad, you're here. Thank you for that. But you see, I used to be down on the local church. So when I preach... From point one this morning, and there are five points this morning. When I preach from this point, I feel it desperately. Me and my family for eight years had to support ourselves on the mission field and do church in a different language and not have a lot of people around us to support us. I began to see the lifestyle we were living and then I began to see the lifestyle of the global church and the, the price that they pay to follow Jesus. And then you look back at, at your, the Western church, the American church, and you're like, have we missed it? 
And I began to have a bitterness towards the local church. The American church. So much so when we would come back, we thought we were better than the local church. We'd experienced something pretty cool. But, when I was going through Acts, and I saw something that deeply pierced my heart, is do you remember when Paul was persecuting the church? Now, I wasn't killing the church, not even close. I didn't even feel that, that bad. But the Lord said to Saul at the time, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you see, this bride at Cornerstone is precious in the sight of God. And so my heart was pricked about four years ago, and my heart has not turned back, is that the local church is precious in the sight of God. Now, I will admit to you that we are not perfect. I will admit to you that the local church makes lots of mistakes. And you've all heard it said, if you ever find a perfect church, join it, and then it becomes imperfect. And it's true, isn't it? We all bring our baggage. We all bring everything to the table, our messed up lives. But we come to Jesus and the thing that we have in common is Jesus Christ Himself. And you make me better. I know I make you better. Joe. Joe. Bad jokes. You just got to get used to it. Bad jokes. Just laugh, you know? But we need each other. And you see, we live in a time that to be a disciple is to do what you want. To be accountable to no one is just me and Jesus. And I've tried to talk to God about that. I said, Lord, if you just let me go on a mountain and just live in the forest, it will be great. With my family, of course. But then he reminds me that it's not in the forest, it's in the cities where where people are at. You can't reach people in the trees. And you see, so often is that the the early apostles and disciples, they gave themselves to one another. And as I'm reading through the book, Follow Me by David Platt, he brings up a good point in his chapter 7 of his book about following me and it's about dating the church. We got a bunch of date, date churchers, however you say that. We're dating the church. We're not committing ourselves. In Hebrews 13 verse 7 says this. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. For it is God, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. And you see, the local church has something to offer because it allows us to keep on target. And remember those who led you, who spoke the Word of God to you. Considering the result of the conduct, imitate their faith. And when I share these Scriptures with you, being the lead pastor here, I look at these Scriptures and I do not take them lightly. But then I want to encourage you this morning. Verse 17 and 18 of Hebrews 13. I like these Scriptures. Bear with me. Look what it says. (laughs) Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. And then Paul says this, Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I wanted to encourage you as disciples is that wherever you are at in the discipleship process, whatever church you belong to, you need to be there and be there 100%. How many of you guys have ever experienced spiritual abuse? Raise them high. So when you hear these Scriptures, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. You know, David Platt talks about this a little bit. When we talk about these Scriptures, it becomes scary because we have had all of us have had bad leaders. But those bad leaders will give an account to the one. But did you hear what Paul says? Pray for us. That our conscience would be good before the Lord. And then not only it says that, when you are doing well, your leader will be doing well. And so this morning as we look at what it is to be a disciple, if you want to make my heart happy, I just ask two things. Love Jesus and love others. Love Jesus and love others. Because from from this pulpit and from the leadership of this church, that's what we better be doing. And if you see us falling short, I would ask you to fall before the throne of grace and you pray for your leaders. Because we're also human. And we need your prayers. Point number two, and I'm going to go through these quickly. Because I know you fathers are probably going to go home and cook some food, right? (laughs) Right. Ginger's no way, right? 
So let's go back to Acts 2. And what did we see the early disciples were doing? They were breaking of bread in verse 42. And then in verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And guys, I want to be honest with you, and when Jesus Christ tells us to multiply ourselves, we can only multiply ourselves through relationships. And we need to break bread together. We need to get back to the place where we are doing meals together again. Where we are actually taking time away from Sunday morning and Wednesday night to be together. Now I realize this morning that some of you do this really well. And some of you do it very poorly. And there's a reason for that. Some of us are gifted to do this, and some of us are not. And so, I was going to bring some Oreos and some milk. Because that's all you need. And, or cheese curds, right? You bring somebody from the South, give them cheese curds, and they're going to be happy. They'll be your best friend, guaranteed. That's a special thing you've got here. So let's cheese curds. We need to again, as disciples of Christ, we need to break bread again. We need to be in each other's homes again. Is this hard in our today's culture? It's, it's almost impossible. But where's our priorities? Is it the preacher's priority to make sure he has every congregant in his house? Or is it the community's responsibility to invite one another over and do it well? So remember this. Oreos and milk and cheese curds. Break bread together. And you see, the scary part of breaking bread together is that means you're going to be known for who you are. And you see, in this church, we want you to be known for who you are. We want you to be known for your messy life. Why? Because we challenge one another. When I hear another man talking about what it is to struggle as a dad, I am sitting there listening. I am taking it in. Because I'm, I'm struggling too as a dad. Or when I, when I hear somebody talk about their job and their situations... And how they're getting through it is that encourages me how to get through my situations. But if we're not breaking bread together, we're not encouraging one another. Number three, it all goes back to number two, but number three is they live generously with one another. Acts 2, 44-45 
It says, and though, and all, and I'm repeating myself, I realize it, but this is so simple, but yet so perplexed, perplexed. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. In chapter 4, it says the same, basically the same thing. Guys, if we're not having fellowship with one another, and if we're only doing this thing called church on Sunday morning, you don't know the struggles of the person sitting right next to you. You don't know what they're going through. Maybe financially. Maybe spiritually. Maybe they're sick, but if we're not fellowshipping with one another, if we're not being disciples of Christ, we don't know this. So what are we doing? What are we doing to make sure that one another are taken care of? What are we doing to meet those needs that maybe somebody has? A car needs to be fixed or a lawn needs to be mowed or, or just something practical. What are we doing? We're not doing anything. Why? Because we're not breaking bread together and we're not having relationships. And I've seen some of you from the pulpit suffering. And I know what you need. You need a listening ear and to know that somebody cares. We want to do this well. Number four, the point is the early church, they were devoted to prayer. One of the things here that we want to do as Cornerstone Church is God has called us to do something very specific that He hasn't called other churches to do. And we're going to figure that out. But we're going to figure it out through prayer. The early church were devoted to prayer. And I want to ask you, how is your prayer life? Not only am I asking about how is your prayer life individually, but I'm asking how it is corporately. How often are you getting together with your brothers and sisters and seeking God together? And so really, you could take all these points and put a blank spot by them and mark them off and see how you're doing. And I want to encourage you, this is a plug for Monday morning and Sunday morning prayer. We are getting together and we're seeking the face of God together. Why? Because prayer is the work. And then we get to one of the hardest, and really I should be spending most of my time here, but I don't want to make you feel guilty. It's called a witnessing church. Acts 2, 41-47, maybe you're like me, and I just think souls are going to be added to the church. They're just going to start walking through the door, and I'm waiting for that moment. They come to hear this preacher preach. I'm telling you, the time of superstar is done. The community of God has to rise up and do its job. So then, in verse 41, So then those who had received His word were baptized that day and were added about 3,000 souls. 
Verse 40 says, 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And then if you go to Acts 5.14, And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number. And Jesus says this in John 17, verses 20-23, through 23, I do not ask on the behalf of those alone, but for those also who believe in Me through their word. That they will be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they also may be in us, so that the world might believe that you sent me. We'll keep going. I think. Is there more? The glory which you have given me, I've given to them, so that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So if I could have the worship team come this morning. You guys, we need to be about the Father's business. Our unity... And our love for one another is going to make all the difference in the world. When the church looks at us, what are they see- or when the world looks at the church, what are they seeing? What are they seeing? The Father, Jesus prayed the prayer for us that we would be one so that the world would know that we are His disciples. And so all these points that I pointed out This morning, if we are doing them well, the world's going to be attracted. You do have an individual responsibility to be sharing Jesus. But we also, as a body, have a responsibility of sharing Jesus together. So we're to be devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship with one another. We are to be devoted to breaking bread. With one another. We are devoted to be living generously with one another. We are devoted to be praying. And to be witnessing. So as we end this morning. If you could stand with me. If you're able. They're going to lead us in two songs this morning. And we're going to worship together. And one thing that I would like to ask you this morning is we know, Cornerstone, we're the best church in the valley. But we know we're not a perfect church. We know that. We're not going to reach Menasha by programs. We're not going to reach Menasha in the Fox Valley by doing cool things. We're going to reach the valley because we're being faithful to God and His Word. There's no gimmicks here. So I want what I want you to do as we worship together, I want you to be praying for our church. 
I want you to ask God if you see yourself in any of these lack, any of these areas lacking, or if you see our church lacking. Pray for us that we would do this well. And if you're a visitor this morning, invest in us for just 10 minutes in interceding and asking that God's light would shine through this little body in Manasseh, Thank you this morning for worship and that we can worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Lord, we do just thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that you have given us. Your word is a firm foundation. Lord, we build our lives upon your teaching that we see in the Bible. And Lord, would you help us as a body to, Lord, to know one another and, Lord, to make you known. Father, I pray through our relationships with one another and our fellowship with one another, we would begin to see miracles. That we would begin to see others coming to know you because we are unified. And Lord, anything that the enemy wants to bring against us as a church, we just say no. And Jesus, we just say that your name is above all names. And that Jesus, I thank you that you fight for us. And that we can look to you as the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you that you are trustworthy. And that you are everything to us. So we bless you today. And Lord, bless the fathers today. God, I just pray a blessing over them. And it's never too late to be a good dad. So grace us dads and spiritual dads to love well. And we look to you in Jesus' name.